Guess what we're talking about? The race. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, just uh, thank you uh, for your word here. Lord, I just pray that um, you would just uh, be with me now as, as I try to bring forth what you've shown me this week. And Father, I'd, I just pray that uh, and thank you that for your word that is our guiding light. Um, Lord, just ask it all now in Christ's name. Amen. So the book of Hebrews, um, we've been studying this quite a bit on Sunday night, so um, it's, it's an interesting book. It was written, obviously, to Hebrew people, uh, but this, this group of people that this author is writing to are a group of you know, who came from Judaism, accepted Christ as Messiah, but now they're considering going back to their old ways, going back to the old Jewish traditions of sacrifices and things. And so throughout Hebrews, he's been explaining how Christ and what Christ has done for us is greater than what was done in the old, in the old law. So he, he gets to this point, and he brings in the analogy of a race, which is our lives as we walk forward in, in our Christian faith, in our Christian life. But he says we have this great cloud of witnesses, and the picture that, that would be painted here for a lot of us anymore is, is like you've got the great stadium, and You've got all the spectators up in that stadium, and they're watching the people as they race around down on the track. And that's not what he meant by the word um, witnesses. The, the word that's used here is, is more of a reference to those um, who would be mentors or those who have done it before us, those that we can look at to see how we should be living our life of faith. So we're going to look at some of those witnesses that he brings out in chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, I, I, don't, I gave them some notes. It may not be easy for them to follow upstairs. So if you have your Bible, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And verse, we'll start at verse number 7. He, he mentions a number of different uh, people from the Old Testament here. And we're going to start with verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, 
and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So think about Noah here. Here's a guy, God is, has talked to him and you know, let him know that he's not happy with, with the way the world is going and that he's, he's going to bring a great flood. And he wants Noah to build this, this ark. And Noah works on this ark for 125 years, and during that entire 125 years, he's being ridiculed and mocked by all the people around him. And yet he continues faithfully to build that ark. And the ark itself is is a form of, of preaching that God was using to let the people know what he was doing. And, and Noah also would preach the word of God to, to all those people. And he faithfully did this for 125 years. And the other thing you got to remember is, is they'd never seen rain at this point, let alone a flood. You know, the, the, everything was watered by the dew. So this is, you know, he, talk about going out on faith. You're going to bring what? What is that? I've never seen that before. And you're going to do what with it? You're, oh, this is nuts. But okay, I'm, I, you know, and he built this ark. How often do we in our lives today look at things that God maybe asks us to do, even something as simple as maybe sharing our faith with our neighbors. And I can't do that. They might not like me anymore, God. I, don't ask me to do that. that. That's just too hard. Faith is asking us, you know, just as Noah was faithful, God is asking us to be faithful in those things that he wants us to do. The next person he brings up is Abraham, and Abraham's another one of those uh, Old Testament patriarchs that God called him out of his, out of his homeland told him to go to a place that he would promise to, to give to him and his descendants over time, and that he would, he would give him descendants as plentiful as the stars in the sky. And by 90, he didn't even have an heir yet. And he was in the land of promise, but didn't own anything in the land of promise yet. Abraham, again, went out by faith. You know, and and we hear, you know, the promise of the child, and finally Isaac is born, and again God says, I want you to offer up Isaac to me now. And this, this was the child of promise. So Abraham packs up the, you know, heads up the mountain, has the wood, has his son, 
And they get up there, and, and he says, God will provide the sacrifice. When, his, when Isaac asks, where's the sacrifice? God will provide the sacrifice. You know, how often, how often in our own lives have we been in situations where we've, we've had to really trust God to provide for us? I know in my own life, trusting people and doing things and, and allowing others to help me comes very difficult for me. And in doing, being somewhat stubborn at times and not allowing people to help, not only am I cheated of the blessing of their helping, but I'm cheating them from the blessing of being able to help. By faith, we know that God will provide for us. He provides for our needs. And I can think back you know, numerous times in, in, in our marriage when we were quite a bit younger. And you know, you're in that situation, and, and probably many of you have been, been in that situation where you're looking at, man, I got rent to pay, and we've got all of this, and we just don't have the money. You know, it's just not there. And you take it to the Lord, and then all of a sudden, out of, out of you know, from, from, from my standpoint, from my viewing it from an earthly side, out of the blue, a check shows up. And the thing that, as I've looked back over the years, the thing that's always amazed me is that it's always been for the exact amount that I needed. There's never any more. It wasn't any less. It was what I needed at that moment. God knew what, what, it, what I needed. God knew what we needed as a family to, to be able to make ends meet that, that time, and he provided it. Because that's the only way those things happen. It's not dumb luck. It's, you know, it, it, is, it is God working through us and and. He, he just asks us to be faithful in what he calls us to do. In verse 13, it says, All these died in faith without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having, having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So they, they saw the promises from afar. They didn't see them fulfilled in their lifetime, those, those promises of the land. And, and, you know, Abraham didn't see the, all the descendants, but they would come. They came, you know, became the children of Israel. And it goes on in 11 and talks about Isaac and Esau and Jacob and even Joseph, as he was dying in, in Egypt, you know, being elevated to a very high position in Egypt through God's uh, hand in his life, got him to that place. And 
even then, he tells the children of Israel when they leave to take his bones with them to bury them in the promised land. A foretelling of them leaving at some point in the future. Moses is the next one that he brings up. And Moses, again, was one who, uh, you know, we're probably most familiar with of all the patriarchs. Uh, He led the children of Israel out of Egypt, but not quite in, in the way Moses thought. You know, he kind of thought he would do it as a younger man, and it took him to the age of 80 to really get where God could use him. But by faith, Moses went back into Egypt and went through all the different plagues that that they God had to bring on, on Egypt to try to soften Pharaoh's heart. And even, you know, he did, um, went through the Passover. Um, In Hebrews 11, verse 28, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. They kept the Passover. The Passover, all, all of the firstborn dying was what got Pharaoh to allow the, the um, Israelites to leave Egypt. And they wandered around out there, and, and God told Moses that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart again. And just to, be, to show the people that he is God. So he takes them through the Red Sea at that point. And, you know, they knew, they knew the Egyptian army was coming. Moses, by faith, and, and the children, you know, I don't, I don't know how much faith all the children of Israel had at that point, but Moses had faith. And so they parted the Red Sea, they went through, and then when they got to the other side, it says he raised his staff again and the waters came down, and the Egyptians were following them, and all of the Egyptian army was drowned. And at that point, the the children of Israel began singing praises to God. took uh, a little while longer because I think their faith waned um, from that moment till the time they get to the promised land the first time and oh man you know there's giants in there and we can't go in they'll just we'll all die if we go in that land so God has to wait for that generation to pass away and bring in a new generation except for two and then the first thing they do is they, they go to the city of Jericho. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled them for seven days. 
not your typical military tactic. Not even for back then. You didn't just go out, march around the city, and then go back to camp for the day. Usually if they set siege to a city, these things would take a long time. They would build um, massive... uh, uh, I don't I can't even think of what they're called now, but yeah, to, to knock down the walls of, of the city. You know, God told them, I, I just want you guys to march around. So by faith, they did that. They marched around the city, went back to camp, did that for six days. On the seventh day, he said, now I want you to march around the city, and when you're done, blow the trumpets and yell. And they did that, and and the walls came down, and they took the city of Jericho. And that was by faith that those people did that. I'm I'm sure there were some in that that group for the military guys that were marching around going, what are we doing? How are we going to get this city by just marching around it? Because God is in control. And then he goes through a number of other um, of the prophets here and talks about how, you know, they were beaten and killed and different things. And then then he again comes to verse... uh, Chapter 12, and therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So each of us has our life, our race of faith that we need to run. It's set before us. It's a long-distance race. It's not a sprint. It's not a quick, easy, here we go. Back when I was a lot younger than I am now, in high school, I used to run track, and I was a sprinter. And the sprints, I liked them, because you just, and you were done. I watched those guys run the mile and the two mile. It's like, you got to be nuts. Just run that 100 yards. It's quicker. Um, But the race we're in is an endurance race. We're in it for a lifetime. And we need to set aside those things that are going to hinder us from that life of faith. The sin that we have. That the sin of unbelief. First of all, you know, you have, you have to have, have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to even get into the race. Once you've done that, you have to be in his word and believe what you're reading in his word. Believe those things. When he says that he is going to take care of us, that he will meet our needs, do we truly believe that Or do we think, okay, God, you're going to meet him, but I'm going to help.
You know, God, God is, if, if you think about it, God has provided everything that I have. God's provided the job I have. And it's a, through that I have a means that he's given to provide financially for my family. But he provides spiritually for my family too. Doubt and fear are some of those things that can keep us from uh, being able to run strong this race of faith that, that we're on. Um, Satan loves to use those things to keep us from, from doing the things that God has asked us to do in his word. You know, we're to go into all the world making disciples of all men. That starts with our neighbors. That starts with the people we work with. That starts with our friends that don't know Jesus Christ. We have to share the gospel and, and not be afraid to do that. That's, that's that piece of faith that, that in, in today's day and age, we a lot of people seem to struggle with that. I don't know, you know, in, in our society today, it's, a, it's almost like if, if you have a contrary opinion to someone, the reaction almost seems like they're just going to yell at you. Or, or worse. <laughs> so, you know, how, may, how, how many of us want to get yelled at for sharing the gospel with someone? Oh, pick me, pick me. Um, God's never asked me, you know, I, I don't have to be, all I have to do is be faithful to share the gospel. I'm not responsible for how that person accepts it or doesn't, or that's, that's between them and the Lord. My, my part in all of that is just to be faithful to share the gospel. Be faithful to witness to those when we have opportunity. That, that's, that's the responsibility that I have. And sometimes I, I, I think we make it too difficult because we think we have to lead this person to the Lord. We don't. All we need to do is be faithful to share that gospel message. And we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is... If you look at, at a role model or a witness for someone who has walked a life of faith, Jesus is that model for us. He was faithful to die on the cross, to, to do God's will. He was faithful to go suffer that kind of a death. 
and the shame that went along with that. So that's why he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's, he's continually working in us to perfect that faith that we have. He endured the cross, he despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this, this goes back to a reference that's made earlier in Hebrews of Jesus being the high priest. And if you think about Jesus as our high priest in heaven, he sat down at the throne of God, which means the work is done. He completed everything we need for salvation and forgiveness. And if you go back to the old temple times, you know, the priests continually worked. They continually sacrificed. There were sacrifices all the time. They never sat down. If you look at all, all of the articles of furniture in the temple or the tabernacle, you don't see a chair listed other than the mercy seat, which is for God, not for man. Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's there. He's helping us walk through our faith daily. You know, as, as we move forward as a church body... We have a number of people, you know, you, you, look, you think about the history of our church and how people faithfully came, I don't know how many, it's over 100 years ago, a train showed up and they started Bible lessons on a train and that was the foundation, became the foundation for our church. People of faith just continually sharing the gospel, doing what God was asking them to do, going where God was asking them to go. Now, we need to continue that. We need to continue moving forward and sharing the gospel with those that we come into contact with on a daily basis. Um, Alan is doing a workout on the reservation that, you know, Sharing the gospel with people. Trying to establish a base and a foundation out there for house churches. But that's how it all begins, you know. Invite, invite people you know to your small groups. And just, you know, share the gospel with them. That's, that's all God is asking us to do, that we be faithful in sharing the gospel message with people. And to run that, that race of faith in our lives, and then to one day hopefully hear the well done, good and faithful servant. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for this time to go to your word and to look at these things. And Father, I just, I just pray that 
you would make clear anything that I've said that's confusing or, or troublesome to some. And Father, I just uh, ask that you would just continue to bless each of us, guide and direct us. Lord, help us each day as, as we go through our lives of faith for you. We just ask it now in Christ's name. Amen.